Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's Upswell marketing.com. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Yeah, Joel, we have some great listener questions this week. Uh, we're going to talk about taking care of mom financially. We're going to talk about some car subscription services, if those can save you some money, as well as timeshares. I don't think we've ever talked about timeshares on the show. So. No, but it's about time. Timeshares. Timeshare to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. I like that. Very nicely done. You've been working on your pun game, I can tell. Oh, I do not like puns. So was that a pun? I guess it was a little I, bit. I think technically that's a pun. Yeah, I need a go flog myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can pause uh, this podcast until you're done with that. Actually, let's not do that. But before we start hitting those questions, Matt, I wanted to uh, ask you a question. I saw this article uh, on the Lifehacker blog called Two Cents, and they blog about money. And one of their authors was talking about signing up for birthday freebies. And I think which I'm a huge fan of. I like, dude, I love the birthday freebies. Yeah. Birthday freebies are awesome. Oftentimes you can eat for free all day at different restaurants around town. There are all sorts of perks from your favorite retailers, clothing, beauty, you know, uh, food, all that kind of stuff. But in this article, the author in particular advocated for putting in random birthdays to spread out your benefits all year long with different retailers. Ooh. Yeah. So I kind of want to get your take on that. Is that, <laughs> is that frugal or is that cheap in your opinion? Yeah. So this isn't like frugal or cheap. This is sort of like legal or immoral. It's going to be like a new, a new little bit that we do. Is that going to get me put behind bars <laughs> or just a slap on the wrist? Okay. So first off, I will say that when you first said that, I love that tip because my birthday is over Christmas. And oftentimes, a lot of places are closed. And not only are they closed, I'm spending time with my family. You're not going to IHOP for your free pancakes on Christmas morning. Exactly. Yeah. So it's something that I'm not fully able to take advantage of. I'm a little jealous of all the folks out there who might have a regular non-holiday birthday uh, because that's totally something that I face. Also, you got stiffed like your whole childhood, basically, I'm sure. <laughs> to a certain extent, right? When that's all you know, you don't know any better, man. That's true. I'm not trying to throw your parents under the bus, but I'm saying it just kind of comes with the territory of having 
a holiday birthday oftentimes. Exactly. No, I will say though that I often got to get an extra large birthday Christmas present combo by the combination of funds thereof, right? Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> and so I, there are times when I was able to get a really sweet gift that I would not have expected. Because you know, you kind of pinch off the, the money spigot a little bit for the birthday and the Christmas presents and you know they clump into one giant gift. And as a kid, that made me really happy too. So, so you're like, I want a pony. And they're like, all right, well, since it's a combo, sure, it's all, right, all yours. And I got little Sebastian. <laughs> Okay, but to answer your question, right? Like, is that frugal or is that cheap or, you know, is that illegal or, you know, immoral? It's tough, man. It's really tough because, on one hand, I think I'm giving a lot of personal information over to this company. They're using that to make money. They entice me by uh, emailing me deals and other little pop ups on the, on the app. And so, on one hand, I think, well, that's just the price of them doing business, right? I'm thinking a lot of companies, they just want to know your age, right? So maybe if you didn't put your exact birthday, but if it was still the same year, right? They still know that you're a 30-year-old drinking a pumpkin spice latte because that's what you love, Joel. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> false. Not true. But I think that's totally true, actually. That, that actually makes me think of it in a different light because my initial reaction was like, oh, that's kind of uncouth. But I, but I think you are right. The retailers are essentially trying to drive you into their stores. They want to create a sense of loyalty and they want you to shop more frequently. And so their goal isn't necessarily to get the exact birth date when you're signing up for those birthday benefits. Yeah. What they want is for you to be an email subscriber or just that general data point. This is sort of what I was thinking too. Yeah. And anything that can entice you to come back in and spend more money, they're typically all about. I can't imagine many retailers would be super upset that you fudged your birthday date a little bit. So Joel Starbucks app, we're going to shut it down. <laughs> so I think my initial reaction was it's cheap. But I don't know. I think I'm. Did leaning, I sway you? Actually, I think I'm leaning towards frugal, <laughs> man. I think it's really probably not that big of a deal, and we're overthinking it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, but it is hard to get past the fact that you are like lying. I mean, it's still a lie when you when you enter in the the wrong birthday. That's and so true. I think from a like a personal standpoint. I'm not sure if we could sort of officially endorse it, but it is an interesting uh, little thought experiment. All right, so maybe the thing you should do is when you're signing up, or let's say you're in the store, ask the the store clerk and say, "Hey, listen." <laughs> My, defer responsibility to them <laughs> yeah just ask and say like hey is this a big deal my birthday falls on a holiday kind of thing like if i put in a different birthday so that i could use the birthday benefit at a different time of year would that be a big deal so is that all right i mean asking you're the just question, gonna get stared at be like man i don't care just put whatever <laughs> <laughs> but at least asking the question to someone who works for the company i don't think it's a bad idea yeah but I can see that as potentially controversial. My brain goes back and forth. You know, I, we've mentioned on the show, I live life in like a state of gray. And so I don't really know where I land on this, <laughs> but I would love to hear other people's thoughts. And so, yeah, if you want to weigh in and share your thoughts on the birthday rewards controversy, just hop over to our <laughs> Facebook page, type in how to money, join the group. I'd love to see what our listeners think of that idea of kind of fudging the birth date in order to get your rewards whenever you want. Oh, and there's a polling option too when you post a question. Maybe we can utilize the, the poll. Get all scientific with it. Exactly. I want real data. All right. We'll make that happen. <laughs> all right, Matt, let's introduce the beer that we're having on the show today. Yeah, man, this is one that you brought over to share for us today. I am really excited to crack this one open. Yeah, this is a beer that ages well. It was, uh, it was brewed in 2016. It's by The Brewery out of California. Um, That's brewery with a U, not a W. Yeah, it's oddly spelled. Yeah. <laughs> but they've been around a long time making some really great beers. This beer is called Melange Number no. 14. And it is a blended beer of a stout and an old ale aged in bourbon barrels. And dude, I already know this one's going to be delicious. I look forward to discussing this one with you at the end of the episode. Yeah. And I think melange is French actually for blend. Oh, there we go. It says it on the label. You, oh, oh, I was like, did you look that up or did you, did you take French in high school? Say it after me. Melange. Well, there you go. <laughs> Teach French lessons. Make it happen. Yeah, man. My French is poor, but I learned something today. So I tried to learn French. I tried to do the uh, Rosetta Stone one time before Kate and I went to France and uh, I failed. <laughs> it didn't stick. <laughs> it did not stick. It was ambitious of me. I'd love someday to pick up a second language, but it is not happening right now. All right, Matt, let's get on to the topic at hand. Today, we're answering listener questions. And for folks out there listening, if you have a question for us, we would love to tackle it on the show. It's super easy to submit your question. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. And there are super simple directions. It'll take you just a minute to record your question and send it over. And then we hope to take it on an upcoming episode. So Matt, let's get to the first one. It's about healthcare. Hey guys, this is Mark from Dayton, Ohio. Love your show. Look forward to each week to listening to both podcasts. Keep up the good work. Uh, my question for you today is, what is a good strategy for those who are self-employed about how to afford their health care costs long term? 
Now, like I said, I am self-employed. I love the work I do. I don't want to have to go work anywhere else. But my concern is how do I afford my health care in my 50s and early 60s before Medicare kicks in? I'm currently, I'm 40 years old. Uh, me and my family, we're very healthy, thank goodness. Uh, we pay about 700 bucks a month for our high deductible plan. We fully fund our HSA, which by the way, we did love your HSA podcast. It was very informative. But how do I afford my premiums 10, 20, 25 years from now before Medicare kicks in? I really don't want to have to go work at Starbucks or anywhere else part-time to get health insurance. Um, I really like what I do, but I'd love to hear what strategies you have uh, since one of you guys is um, self-employed. I'm curious to see if there's any other strategies long-term that uh, maybe I'm not thinking of. Uh, look forward to your answer and keep up the great work. Thanks, guys. All right, Mark. Man, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate this question. And you know, first off, you mentioned 700 bucks a month. That actually isn't too terrible for your family. But uh, going with that HSA, having that as an option for you is really helping you to keep your premiums low while allowing you to invest for your future healthcare expenses. And by investing in an HSA, you're also able to keep your income lower, possibly scoring you some of those sweet subsidies on the exchange. I was going to say, I think Mark the Barista has like a ring to it. I think you should strongly <laughs> consider the Starbucks option. I do appreciate the way Starbucks takes care of their employees with health insurance. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, well, man, that's got to be a serious consideration because employers, they're expected this year to pay about 60% of total healthcare costs. And so for a typical family of four, on average, they're paying about $28,000 for the entire year out of pocket as well as premiums. And so 60% of that, that's $17,000. That is a ton of money that you are essentially getting for free kind of baked into your salary without actually realizing that as income that you get to realize as a benefit without paying taxes on. And that can't be overlooked. Yeah, I completely agree. Where, where I work, Matt, there's a, a backend website that kind of shows you your total pay. And so there's a, it's, it's a pie chart. And it shows me exactly how much my employer is Ooh, paying fancy. towards my healthcare costs. No way. Yeah. And it's oh, really, it really is. It's very costly <laughs> yeah. for them to offer well, health insurance. And it helps you to realize the additional sort of added value, the added benefit that you're receiving from your company. Yeah, it's amazing to see it broken out that, you know, my pay is obviously the, the biggest chunk, but those other benefits that I receive from my employer, well, I couldn't just take a job somewhere else making the same amount of pay and get the same value because, because yeah, they spend a lot on those extra benefits. All right, Mark, let's talk about other ways to keep your costs low. Whether or not you're self-employed, there are a couple of things you should prioritize. Number one is to not smoke, right? That is the biggest X factor in kind of health costs you're going to incur over time. It sounds like your family is healthy and prioritizing health in your family is going to allow you to increase your deductibles, which it sounds like you're already doing by having a high cost health insurance plan. Yeah. And one other thing to consider, Mark, is the state that you live in. I know we don't typically make decisions based on healthcare costs in a state, but healthcare costs can vary widely from state to state. And so you, it sounds like you have a small business. I don't know if you're location dependent or location independent, but if you are location independent, it might make sense to move to a state with lower overall healthcare costs for those years before you hit retirement age in order to help bridge that gap and lower your overall out-of-pocket for healthcare spending. Yeah, Joel, it's surprising at how much the healthcare costs differ per state, right? Like it's a, it's a pretty big swing. Uh, the lowest cost states are states like Hawaii, Idaho, and Utah, where they're paying just a little over 400 bucks a month versus some really expensive states like Alaska or Wyoming and New York, where they're paying between six and $700 a month. That's a pretty big difference, man. If you're paying 400 bucks in one state versus, man, close to 700 in another. That could be four grand a year just by crossing the state line. And Mark, you can also consider uh, some group plans that aren't offered by an employer, but these are group plans that are membership-based. You might be eligible depending on your profession or not even related to your profession. For example, the Farm Bureau, that's uh, an organization that you can get health insurance through and you don't have to necessarily be a farmer. But there's different professional organizations like the Producer Writers Guild, uh, Freelancers Union. These are all different organizations you can join and they have group options available. Yeah. Another thing to consider if you want to slash your healthcare costs is healthcare sharing options. There are a few of these out there like MediShare, Liberty HealthShare, and Samaritan's Ministries. And it's important to know, as we mentioned those, that these are not actually insurance. These are healthcare sharing organizations. And basically it's like a pool where everyone helps each other out when they incur bigger healthcare expenses. 
there are some more stringent requirements to be considered for one of these healthcare sharing companies. And you're also kind of taking a bigger risk by not having true insurance. Yeah, because they're not technically insurance companies. They're not regulated like like an actual insurance company is. And so there is a slight risk. I know this because Joel, our family is on a health sharing plan. We're with MediShare. And actually, we can link to an article in our show notes where I've done a little review with our experience over the past three years being with MediShare. But for us, man, we were paying under 400 bucks for a family of five. Granted, it's, we've got a really high deductible. And like you said, there are some inherent risks involved. But for us overall, it's been a great option. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people, they dismiss it out of hand. And initially, when I heard about these health sharing companies, I did too. I was like, it's not real insurance. Why would anyone do this? But as I've seen the cost of healthcare skyrocket, these health sharing options just make a lot more sense for a lot of people because traditional health insurance is becoming cost prohibitive. It's becoming completely unaffordable in a lot of people's regular budgets. So yeah, I would at least do some investigating and see what rates you might be able to get and see whether the coverage and the way it works would potentially work for your family. And another really important thing to consider, Mark, as you're trying to bridge this gap is to make sure that you have ample cash savings that can cover out-of-pocket expenses that you incur to avoid tapping your retirement accounts or your HSA, if at all possible. The biggest thing is by having that cash cushion, you're not forced to take money out of investments to pay for healthcare costs, especially in a down market cycle. A larger cash cushion will give you kind of some of that peace of mind that I think is what you're looking for a little bit in this scenario. Healthcare costs, of course, are just this mega beast monstrosity. And there is no silver bullet. I mean, there is no easy solution for anybody, especially if you're self-employed. But hopefully some of the things that we covered here at least get you on the right track, get you in search mode, ready to kind of look at your options a little more deeply. But in all honesty, it sounds like you're on a decent track right now with the coverage that you have. And Mark, real quickly, I want to mention too that it sounded like you might have kids because you said your family overall is healthy, which is amazing, right? Like that's just a blessing that you've got a really healthy family. But keep in mind that yes, even though as you get older, your healthcare costs might increase, your kids hopefully at some point will be off of your insurance. So (laughs) they'll be on their own earning their own plan because they'll have some sweet posh plan from Starbucks maybe or some (laughs) other great company. But keep that in mind that even though your expenses will go up for you individually, hopefully your overall family costs will go down because your kids will be falling off that healthcare plan. Yeah, they're going to have to pay their own way someday. And that just means lower healthcare costs for you. All right, Matt, let's get to a couple more questions, including one from a guy who says he's our biggest fan in Europe. That'll be fun. We'll get to that after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. 
That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Joe, we have a, a somewhat sensitive question here regarding taking care of parents. Let's hear this one. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Katie from Great Falls, Montana. I really enjoy your show, and I hope you have some words of wisdom for me on a rather touchy subject. My mom is terrible with money, and I think there's a decent chance she's going to be relying on me to get her through her older years financially. And I know in an ideal world, kids should not be responsible for their parents' retirement, but that's just not a reality for me. So my question for you guys is, should I be budgeting now for this expense that I'm likely to incur in the coming years? And if so, what does that look like practically? Should I get an investment property that makes some income now that I can have my mom live in later? Should I just have a savings account that I budget, you know, some money towards every month? Should I take out some sort of insurance policy? I'm just not sure what this looks like or how to prioritize it, given my other competing financial goals, you know, paying off student loan debt, saving for our kids, saving for our retirement, that sort of thing. So if you have thoughts on this, I'd really appreciate hearing them. Thanks. Bye. Katie, that's a great question. I think Matt and I have some good advice that will help you out. But first, I just want to mention you're from Great Falls, Montana. That is where my mom is from. Seriously? Again? True. Yeah. Didn't we already have a question at some point where somebody was from Montana and you said that that's where your mom was from? Well, my mom is from Montana. Yes. And I think we had someone donate beers from Montana. And so I mentioned it. From Great Falls? But my mom is specifically from the town of Great Falls. So yeah, a little inside Joel trivia there. Well, speaking of Montana trivia, I just recently learned that the entire state has the area code. 406. They have one area code for the whole state? Yeah, isn't that crazy? No way. So we say that because Atlanta is 404. But we have like eight area codes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that one area code doesn't even cover all of Atlanta. So it's quite a departure to see that, uh, yeah, an entire massive state like Amazing Montana has one beautiful area code. Makes it easy. Gotta love it. All right. All right. So let's get to <laughs> Katie's actual question. Yeah, actual question. All right. So kids being responsible for their parents in retirement, man, that is becoming a reality more and more so for lots of folks as lifespans have lengthened and parents just haven't properly saved for retirement. Social security typically only gets most folks so far. But Katie, before you start saving specifically for your mom for her future, Matt and I think you need to start the conversation with her. You need to open up a dialogue. And I hear what you're saying. You said she's terrible with money, but there's a chance that she's in a much better place than you think. And you actually might be able to help her plan a little bit now. 
And we think that you should check out episode 114 where we talked to... Yeah, I was going to say Cameron's episode was fantastic. Yeah, that would be... I think that'd be really helpful in helping Katie kind of get those lines of communication open. And Katie, by the way, it sounded like... I think I heard you have a little baby in your arms, which congratulations, babies are awesome. (laughs) But I think also that means that your mom probably isn't really, really old. And she's probably got a, a time frame, a window in which she can make some changes in which she can start getting ready. Joel's going all like Benedict Cumberbatch, like Sherlock... (laughs) like little little clues on the audio (laughs) i am i am but i that's so true though i I think i heard it and i think what you're saying is is so true yeah i mean if you have a small baby and your mom is still in her working lifetime which she really might be then there is a chance for her to make some changes and i think you can help her with that man totally yeah katie talking through your mom's needs i think that can give you both direction on what steps to take next right like the idea is to be working as a team to create these goals to create a game plan for y'all to be on the same page and to also to minimize resentment right like after you can set those goals maybe you can both even agree to something almost like a match where if you both agree that you're going to contribute a certain amount you know that you both are working towards this this common goal so that way it doesn't necessarily feel like you're completely carrying her on your back right just like Joel said it sounds like she might have a lot of working years ahead of her or at least maybe some changes that she can make to her spending habits and patterns i know that may not necessarily be easy But you never know. Like having that conversation is the first step in that direction. Yeah. And she might have a terrible spending problem. That's what what I'm guessing. Yeah. But but she also might randomly have a good bit of money in a retirement account because her employer provided a sweet match and she put in the base amount and and you just never knew that. So there could be this information that you just haven't uncovered and and she could be in a better position than you thought. She might have a pension from a previous employer. There are all these things under the surface that you, you just might not know about because you haven't asked yet. And so, yeah, opening those lines of communication and starting to kind of dig deeper and find out what her financial situation actually looks like is going to be helpful. And you mentioned the possibility of like an investment property nearby, and that could be great. For instance, I feel like I mentioned it a couple times recently, but I'm looking into an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit, which is going to work for me in my backyard for short-term investing goals, but then it's going to work for, for long-term needs of aging parents. And something like that could make sense for you depending on the needs that your mom is going to have. But I think it's important, Matt, for us to, to mention and to stress that whether or not you do end up doing something like buying an investment property or building a tiny house in your yard for your mom's future, or even whether you just start setting aside a little bit of money every month for her future retirement needs, be careful to not forsake your own goals and those important debt payoff milestones in your life. It's hard to get your own finances in good shape, much less take care of aging parents and little kiddos running around, right? Matt and I definitely know how that feels too. Striking that balance is very important. While you want to help your mom, it it might not necessarily be your money right now that she needs. It might be just kind of helping her walk through this. Yeah, Katie, hopefully you are finding this encouraging, right? Because we think this is pretty awesome that you are taking care of your mom. This is really generous. This is a great way for you to honor her. And so best of luck to you because we know that these conversations are not always easy, in particular if you haven't had those lines of communication open already regarding money. So definitely start there and good luck. All right, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one comes all the way from España. Hey guys, this is Clark from Barcelona. Surely your biggest fan here probably your biggest fan in Spain and possibly your biggest fan in Europe. Really enjoy the podcast. It's helped me get my affairs in order. I did have one question though for both of you about how you manage day-to-day your financial affairs, let's say. Um, I've been struggling with receipts and whether I need to scan them and if that represents a duplication of effort later when I need to do my financial reporting. Curious to know how you, in particular Matthew, handles this issue. Keep the good stuff coming and thank you. Bye. Thanks for your support, Clark. Thanks for being a big fan and thanks for your question. All right, let's get to the answer though. So Clark, businesses always want to make sure that they're backing up their deductible expenses with receipts. You want to be able to have that proof in case the IRS comes knocking. But I'm pretty sure you're asking this question from an individual standpoint. And there are good reasons that you want to keep your receipts as an individual as well. And this is also assuming you're filing a tax return in the States. And so that's how we're going to answer it. But you know, we were talking earlier in this episode about an HSA. In episode 105, we talked about how you can withdraw money tax-free for years and even decades down the road, but only if you have the receipts to prove it. 
So that right there is a great reason to make sure that you're hanging on to receipts, especially those receipts that are related to healthcare expenses. Yeah, it's also important to keep receipts for purchases you've made, especially if you want to make a return, but also to take advantage of manufacturers' warranties and credit card price matching. Yeah, Joel, you need those receipts to take advantage of those credit card benefits. And also, I am thinking of maintenance to a vehicle. If you have all the receipts from every time you took your car into the shop to get worked on, whether it be oil changes and all that action, man, that's going to really look good when it comes time to sell that vehicle. You know, you've got a potential buyer. And by the way, you've also got this beautiful folder with all your receipts laid out with the dates. Yeah, by the way, I can prove my oil was changed yeah. every 5,000 miles. Exactly. You've got the proof right there that gives you a little more bargaining power and can increase the resale. Yeah, Clark, and if you're predominantly using cash to make purchases, receipts are really helpful to track your personal spending. It's not necessary, though, if you're using a credit card for most of your transactions. So basically, if you're using your receipts as a way of documenting your spending because you're doing it in a more manual method, well, then compiling all your receipts from that day and entering them into that booklet you keep or that app like Dollarbird, then that's really helpful. But if you're using an app like Mint or YNAB, that automatically import all the spending that you're doing when you're using a credit card, then you don't really need to keep receipts for that reason. I personally love using those apps for tracking spending and making sure that my finances are on track on kind of a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And that makes holding on to receipts for the pure purpose of staying on top of my spending just way less important, which is great for me because I hate holding on to receipts. I only keep them if it's for one of those other necessary purposes. Yeah, Clark, but because I'm self-employed, I like to keep a rolling three months basically of the paper receipts because it's just easy for me to kind of have those receipts on hand. If there's something I need to return, I can just pull up in that drawer. And by the way, I say three months because I have room for three columns of receipts (laughs) per month. Like it's nothing scientific at all. It's literally just what I can fit in my desk drawer. But it's easy for me to have that as an option. But after those three months, I snap a picture of each one of those receipts with just a little point and shoot camera that I have on hand. And then I trash those paper receipts because the IRS, they accept digitized receipts. You know, and I use that point and shoot because I already have it on hand. It's easy for me to keep those images separate. And then I can save those in a receipts folder on my computer. And again, I take pictures of everything because I am self-employed and you never know what exactly the IRS is going to want to see proof of. But for most individuals who are not self-employed, I think only keeping those health expense receipts, if you have an HSA, or for some of those other reasons that we mentioned, like taking advantage of a manufacturer's warranty. And Clark, by the way, if you're looking for like some apps that can help you scan those receipts and and make it seamless, Matt uses that old school point and shoot. (laughs) Most people are using their smartphone and an app, right? Yeah. Well, again, the reason I use the the point and shoot is because I have it on hand and it's it's just easy for me to kind of silo those images there. And it's just fast. It's really quick for me to be able to pull out that month's worth of receipts, just quickly snap all those real quick all at once. Takes five minutes while I'm listening to a podcast. But for those of us in the 21st century (laughs) who want to update our methods, you might want to use an app like Expensify or Genius Scan. I personally use Adobe Scan. I really like that. So there are all these great options and they're all free. So yeah, whatever it takes in order to digitize those receipts and make it easy, whatever works for you, make it happen. Yeah. One of the cool things about an app like Expensify, Clark, is that it actually extracts the information from the receipt. So it not only digitizes the receipt, but it reads the numbers. And essentially the app is doing some automatic data entry for you, which can be a huge win when it comes to your time. All right, Matt, those are good thoughts for our number one super fan. We got a couple more questions coming up, including that question about timeshares. And we'll get to that in just a second. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Joel, before we talk about timeshares, let's talk about a car subscription service, which actually may not be that unlike a timeshare. Ooh, the foreshadowing. I can't wait. Hey, Joel and Matt, this is Alex from Connecticut. And my question for you today stems from an article I read online stating that Volvo has started a subscription-based payment plan for one of their new vehicles, basically taking car insurance, service, maintenance, roadside assistance, all of that, and putting it into one package for the consumer. I was wondering what your thoughts on this were compared to buying a car normally or leasing. And also, if either of you happen to find your way over to Connecticut, let me know. We've got plenty of great breweries over here, and I'd love to buy a beer at one. Thanks for everything you do with the podcast. Alex, only if you drive us there in your new Volvo. Wait, so Alex is not only buying our beer, he's also our chauffeur now. Wow, Matt, that's <laughs> messed up, dude. No, man, that's not how we do. The, the best way to get to a brewery actually is to bike there. That's how we roll. Most definitely. But let's get to Alex's question. Car subscription services, Matt, they are certainly a part of the future. And more and more of them are popping up. But right now, from everything I've seen, they just cost too much. Volvo's current monthly expense for their subscription service is seven dollars to $800 a month. Cadillac had one that was $1,800 Wow, <laughs> that they had to disband because not enough people were signing up. It's going to be pretty rare circumstances where that kind of monthly outlay actually makes sense for people. It, it really is a convenience play as opposed to a way of saving money on how you get around town. Yeah, I mean, that's way more than even the cost of leasing those vehicles. So at this point, these new subscription models might be the most expensive way to operate a vehicle. But Joel, what I do love about the sort of subscription model is that it shifts the way of thinking of the vehicle as a quote-unquote investment. And instead, it gets lumped into the category of other subscriptions that you have, right? Like Netflix or a gem membership. It's a consumable at that point. And with a subscription, it's harder to trick yourself into thinking that you're investing your money by spending it on a vehicle. Like you actually have to own up to what it actually is, which is a luxury. This is just part of your lifestyle. You're not investing, quote unquote, investing in a vehicle. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I actually think that these car subscription services have a future. They're brand new right now. And so the price points are really high and nobody's figured out how to run one of these subscription services really well. Yeah. And a lot of them are only being offered in specific cities as well. So they are in this test pilot stage as they're working out the kinks. Yeah. So I, I look forward to this being a potential great option someday once those kinks are worked out and once the price points have come down. But right now I would say look at other low cost car sharing services. So let's say if you live close to work, consider taking Uber or Lyft, riding your bike or using something like Waze Carpool. That's something I really plan on trying soon, Matt. Waze Carpool is a whole lot cheaper than Uber and Lyft. They're trying to match people going from a similar part of town heading towards another similar part of town. And basically by charging riders just that IRS per mile rate, it lowers your cost and it also just makes it easier to pair people up. So I really like the idea behind Waze Carpool and I really hope to try it out at some point. In my mind, it's one of those things that could allow our family to potentially become a one car family when we do face those like rainy days or terribly cold days where I don't feel like biking in. But for Alex, I think it's important to note that there are other potential lower cost ways to get around than one of those kind of expensive monthly car subscription services. Yeah, for the most part, they're more expensive even than leasing. And so buying a solid used car is still going to be the much better affordable option to keep your car expenses low, right? To keep your transportation costs down. Although, Joel, I found one that I think you would like. There's this company out in LA that's called Borrow, and they specialize in electric vehicles only. Ooh. And they only cost $400 a month. What do you think about that? It's a little more affordable, electric cars only, but again, it's only a test pilot, so it's only in LA. But I could totally see you geeking out about a fully electric car borrowing service, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I love electric cars, and that's pretty much all I want to drive. When I gave up my old school Nissan Altima, which was a stick shift, I said, the only way I'm doing this is if I'm driving an electric car. If only I can drive a golf cart, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like the, the driving experience is just so much fun from my experience compared to just a regular traditional gas car. But yeah, I love that. See, look at that. A price point of $400. Already, we're starting to see pilot programs getting started that are going to lower the cost of these car sharing services. And I think it is going to become more of the model. I mean, we've seen Zipcar, Turo has taken off. There are other models that are being tested out that are lowering the cost. And I'm just really interested to see what comes along in the next three, four or five years, because there are going to be lower cost options for us where we don't have to own a car, but we also don't have to like pay out the nose in order to have a fancy car at our disposal 100% of the time. But yeah, ultimately, Alex, buying a solid used car is, is still the best option to keep your car costs low, but that might not be the case indefinitely into the future. I love that you're considering something like a car subscription service, but it just doesn't seem to make financial sense quite yet for most people. All right, Joel, our last question is from someone who has had some positive experiences from timeshares. Let's hear this question. Hi, my name's Yvette. I'm from Norwalk, California. I was uh, curious about timeshares. So growing up, I had family members who had timeshares. My parents also had one. We used to stay at a pretty cool resort in Vegas. So I always thought it was a pretty sweet deal. But now as an adult, all I hear are negative things about timeshares. I even got roped into one of those, those meetings where they offer you a discounted rate as long as you go to this two-hour meeting. And it seemed like a pretty big commitment, so I did not uh, buy into their, their program. If you have any insight on that, that'd be great. Thanks. Love the podcast. Oh man, Yvette, Joel, she just mentioned getting roped into one of those uh, timeshare presentations. Did I tell you about the time we went to one of those in college over spring break? <laughs> you did, but I don't know if you've told the story on the podcast, so I think you should let folks know. Uh, I mean, that's a long story, but basically we went to one of those because we heard that you could get free breakfast, including mimosas, which was nice, and a $100 Visa check card. So we totally went to one of those, not exactly know what we were signing up for. You know, we, we told the lady halfway through the presentation that, oh, I'm sorry, like we have no way of signing up and paying for one of these. But she still bought us breakfast and still honored the agreement, which was the $100 gift card. So once we addressed that and kind of got past that, we ended up still having a lovely little breakfast with that agent there in Miami and hearing all about real estate. I will say that's about <laughs> the best kind of story you hear from a timeshare <laughs> yeah, presentation. So true. Usually it's heartache and tears. And it's a lot of years of being strapped to a payment for something that you're not getting the use out of that you hoped. And so Yvette, this is a really good question. I got to say the, the reason you're mostly hearing negative experiences as an adult about timeshares 
there, there's a good reason behind that. And so I got to say, I'm glad you didn't buy that timeshare crisis averted because timeshares are the worst. The upfront price tag is often insane. And the costs that you incur from a timeshare stick with you no matter what. Matt got lucky in his sales presentation, but these sales pitches and tactics are so pushy because timeshares are sold. They're not bought. There are massive fees and there's really no secondary market to sell your timeshare and recoup your money if you decide that it's not working for you any longer. So you might not only be paying for that upfront cost for years to come, but the annual maintenance fees never stop either. And so a timeshare can be a massive drain on your finances. And to be honest, it's even worse than buying a new car in the value loss that you get right after purchase. Yeah, man. And one of the reasons you can't recoup those costs is because there's not a secondary market Right? There's, there's nobody that wants to purchase your timeshare. I think maybe once upon a time when timeshares sort of first came on the scene, they fulfilled an actual need in the market maybe. right? Like You could either go to a hotel or you could maybe go to this timeshare where you've got this pretty sweet condo. But the sort of vacation landscape has changed and you've got things now like home away, you've got VRBO, and now you've got Airbnb, where there's lots of amazing options for you to go on vacation where you don't have to pay tons of money and commit to a specific location. That's the other thing with timeshares as well is that you're agreeing to go to this one specific spot year after year in order to make it worth your money because you've paid those upfront fees. And the longer that you're able to continue to visit that condo or, or whatever it is, essentially the cost per visit decreases. So you're sort of almost handcuffing yourself to a specific location. And really, man, that's just the biggest downside for me is that there are just so many new places that I would love to see instead of going to you know the same condo. Yeah, I think that's a really important consideration to make. I think some people maybe do want to go to the same place year after year, but even still, I don't think a timeshare is the best idea for folks. But if you really, really do want to purchase a timeshare, Yvette, I think it's really important for you to consider renting a place first where you're considering buying. And then if you love it, if it works out really, really well for you, and you really do want to have a timeshare at that place, well, you should definitely buy that timeshare on the used market. Because we just mentioned the prohibitive costs of buying a timeshare. Well, there are so many people trying to get out from under a timeshare that they've purchased that they are for sale for a dollar or a penny on the used market. It's crazy. And yeah. so we'll, we'll link to a couple of sites where you can find timeshare listings where people are listing their timeshare for literally just pennies on the dollar, just trying to get out from under them, trying to get rid of them. And if that doesn't say a whole lot about the industry as a whole and about the idea of spending big money in order to get a timeshare, I don't know what does. Unhappy customers trying to unload them for almost nothing, to me, flashes like this warning sign to stay away. But if you're going to do it, at least get a deal and buy it super cheap. You can, you can even buy them on eBay, Matt. People are selling their timeshares <laughs> on eBay, which is crazy. I mean, you just type in timeshare and you'll see tons and tons of listings. But a site like the Timeshare Users Group or Vacatia can really help you drill down into specific locations and specific timeshares that you are more interested in. Well, Joel, you know, you mentioned, you know, maybe snagging a place for a penny. Well, to me, like that sounds like a deal, right? And even though you may be able to uh, skirt those initial upfront fees, you're still going to have those annual expenses. And those expenses are only going up and you don't have control over those. So no matter what, be sure to avoid those timeshare presentations. If you really want to consider getting a timeshare, just never pay full price for an asset that is essentially worthless. And even better yet, don't buy a timeshare at all. You can find some awesome places on Airbnb. And if that's not your deal, you can also find some great deals on a hotel through different sites like Priceline. There's lots of great options. The vacation landscape has changed dramatically over the past 30, 40 years. And really, timeshares are a thing of the past. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that timeshare as a kid, Yvette. Yeah, that was probably like prime time, right? Like that may have been when timeshares were sort of at their peak. And maybe they did make like fantastic sense for your parents. But yeah, it, it has changed. Yeah, and you can still go back to the same place every year if you want without having to have a timeshare and the uncertainty of the fees that accompany it and the massive upfront costs. My family, when we take a vacation, let's say to the beach, we tend to rent different places every year. But if we really liked a place, we could go back to the same spot every single year, develop a relationship with that owner. And, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You don't have to enter into buying a timeshare in order to vacation at the same spot. So if you're looking to kind of build those memories in a singular place, even then a timeshare doesn't have to be the answer to that problem. All right. So Yvette, best of luck as you move forward in making your decision. All right, buddy, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. Today on the show, we drank Melange number 14 by The Brewery out of California. This is a beer I picked up at my local favorite bottle shop on Peachtree Street in Atlanta. Man, you know that name, Melange number 14. It makes me think of uh, Love Potion, like Love Potion number 14. 
No, it's Love Potion number nine. <laughs> I know that's a song. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's out. Of, it's it's out of my era, so I don't. Well, me too. But I, for a period as a little kid, I listened to the oldies. In the town I grew up, it was uh, Cool FM. They played all the all the classic oldies, and because of that, I know songs like Love Potion number nine. There you go. All right. Well, what did you think of this beer? Man, I really enjoyed this beer. So thank you so much for for picking this one up. First of all, this poured a crazy dark brown. You don't often see a beer this color. To me, it almost had this sort of dark date flavor. That dried up stone fruit, right? With you know, with like the pits are gone. You just got the dark fruit. It's much more of a moody beer, but without that moody heaviness that comes with that, it was still sort of really bright. So it made it a lot of fun to drink. Yeah, this beer very much exhibited the flavors of an old ale, which is one of my favorite styles, but it's such a rare kind of beer to find on the shelf. Not many people make old ales anymore. And for people that don't drink beers often, they're like, what is that? And it's kind of hard to define, but the style is just super interesting and unique. Yeah. Is, is that an old beer that I find in the back of the fridge at the lake house? It's like, no, no, that's, that's probably not the beer that right. you want to be drinking. That's just bad. Don't drink it. <laughs> but this brewery in particular does a lot of great blended beers. And this was a beer where they kind of blended two different styles together and they made something really excellent. There were a lot of oak notes from the barrel that I was getting while I was drinking it. It was rich. It was a little bit sweet, but not not overly sweet. So this was well-balanced and also unique at the same time. Uh, I thought this was just an excellent beer, man. I, I was glad to get to share this one with you on this episode. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Thanks for bringing this one over. No problem, my friend. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to submit a question for a future Ask HTM episode, just go to our website, howtomoney.com slash ask, and there are easy directions for you to submit your question in less than two minutes. And we would love to consider your question for an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to be a subscriber to the show. Just head over to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us there. Rate and review if you haven't already, if you found this episode or this podcast helpful. So Joel, I think that's going to be it, man. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.